right, you guys. So, um, Wednesday night this week, um, we're going to be talking about some, some dreams today. We're going to be talking about spiritual warfare today, and we're going to be talking about prayer today. But Wednesday night this week, I had a dream, and it, it had all of you in it, and all of junior high, and it was just me, um, even though we've got a staff and volunteers, but it's just me as the only adult there, nightmare, and all of you. And we're at this beautiful lake, and we're having like kind of a picnic sort of situation. And while we're at this lake, you guys are playing at the water's edge, and I'm like, oh, this is so nice. And um, I noticed something that none of, else, none of you guys noticed, that right under the water, visible to me but not to you, there were these three massive alligators, like just knobby, crusty, toothy gators. They looked just like this, but there were three and they were slowly moving forward to the water's edge, and they were just going to start taking you guys out. And I see this, and I start freaking out, right? I'm like, oh, my God. And I start waving my arms. I'm running down to the water's edge, and I'm hollering and screaming, danger, um, warning, like, watch out. There's alligators there. And you guys, like, totally didn't listen to me. And I was so frustrated. Like, I was in my dream. I was like, ah! I start grabbing you guys by the scruff of your neck. I'm bodily grabbing students. I'm throwing you, because I'm very strong, away from the water. And you're upset with me, but I'm like, I am saving your life right now. And despite the fact that many of you didn't listen, there were some of you, I'm not going to name names, but I might talk to you later. There were some of you that willfully disregarded what I was saying. There were some of you that weren't just like, we don't believe you, but you, they were... I was saying, get away from the water's edge, and you, they were like, this water's edge? Like, this water's edge? And you're up to here, and I'm like, you're going to die, fool! And I was so upset, and I just woke up at that point in the dream as these gators are just like, Roar! and I was so angry at you guys. I was so broken for you guys. I was like, you guys are you're, you're getting eaten alive. You're going to die. When I woke up and I processed the dream, and I'm like, I'm very agitated. Like, I was scared on your behalf. Like, have you ever seen, like, somebody that you love almost get by a car, and it, like, you get so upset and scared that you're angry? Like, that's how I felt for you guys. And um, I woke up, and God reminded me of that, that statement he made to me two weeks ago that I shared with you last week, which I'll share with you again, and maybe you want to write it down, but preach as if their lives depend on it. And that's something I felt like God said to me as I was preparing for last week's message. Preach to them, talk to them, share truth with them as if their lives depend on it. Why would God say that to me to share to you? Because it's true. Your lives depend on what we talk about in here. Your lives um, are shaped and protected by what we talk about in here. And God wants you to understand that and know that and just accept that and believe that. We live in a not physical world with spirits, but a spiritual world that just happens to be physical at the moment. We are more spirit than flesh. And God wants us to understand and know and accept what we've been talking about these last weeks. There is a spiritual battle raging, and there are nasty, demonic thousands of years, millennia years old creatures that are on this planet that we share space with like those alligators that are just looking for an opportunity to eat you alive and wreck your life. And the enemy, and I want you to hear this because I feel like it was something specific the Lord said to me, the enemy will use any disobedience in our lives, 
The enemy will use any disobedience in our lives. The enemy will use any incorrect understanding that we have of who God is and who he created us to be to hurt and destroy us. I'm going to say that one more time. Your enemy, the devil, and his third of the stars angelic army of darkness will use any disobedience that you have in your life, and he will use any incorrect understanding that you have about who God is and who he created you to be to hurt and destroy you. So, my question to you this morning, in light of that dream that I have, um, and the fact that God has put it on our hearts to talk about the spiritual battle, is what happens to us when we ignore God's warnings, the way you guys were ignoring the warnings in the dream. Check out this clip. It's probably going to be fine. strike. But can the young croc hang on? For a second it looks like this impala might escape. But it dislocates its leg and it's all over. It is all over impala. All right. You guys. Sorry if that's scary, disturbing, etc. Good morning. Welcome to church. But the Bible is full of warnings. Because God wants to bless us and what? Protect us from stuff like that. He wants to protect us because that's real life. That's what is lurking out there in the shadows. And God wants us to know about that, not so that we'll walk around being afraid of it, but so that we can be protected in it. Now, last week, we talked in Psalm 118, and we just established, as we could with so many scriptures, that we have a spiritual enemy. But there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever the enemy throws at you, if you pray in faith, even if your faith is only as small as a mustard seed, if you pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you have nothing to fear. And we were warned in Psalm 118 not to give the enemy a foothold in our lives. And we give the enemy a foothold when we have blatant disregard for God's word. When we knowingly disobey the Lord, it's like giving the enemy a foothold and then he can come and go in our life and wreak havoc whenever he wants. So when we're honest with Jesus, when you're just honest with God about what's going on in your life, what's going on in your heart, what's, what's going on in your thoughts, as, as crazy as they can get, as perverted as they can get, and I know, I've been there, when you're just honest with God about that, um, when you obey him, when you pray to him, we receive blessings and protection. And I talked about last week a personal story of mine, a moment from my past when I was really struggling to stop drinking and wrestling with the beginnings of a thought, maybe I'm an alcoholic. And I shared with you guys how I asked the Lord one night, God, I can't stop drinking What's going on with me? Is there more to my alcoholism than meets the eye? Is there something else besides just bad genes than meets the eye with alcoholism in my life? And 
You remember I shared with you in great detail, and I remember crystal clear. I can picture it right now. I had a nightmare that night. I had a dream that night after asking God that question. And in my dream, listen to this. This is specific. There was this shapeless mass in the room with me. And it was leaning over me, and it was radiating fear and waves of cold. But I used the name of Jesus, and that thing had to leave. And I woke up that next morning, and I knew beyond knowing that God was showing me, yes, absolutely, Justin, there is something more to your alcoholism. There is a demonic influence. There is a dark angel. There is a messenger of Satan, and he has been following you around for God knows how long, and he is fueling your alcoholism. He is poking you. He is um, discouraging you. He is tripping you up. It's not just that you're some weak loser. Like There is a spiritual battle taking place in that demon is using your alcoholism to destroy you, kill you, steal from you. And I would challenge you all, students, as I did last week, have you asked the Lord? And if you haven't, you can do it right now. But that thing in your life that you feel powerless against, that area of your life where you feel like you can't say no, ask God, is there more here than just habit? Is there something spiritual? Do I need more help than I realize? Ask God that. He loves answering prayers like that. So that was God warning me that my alcoholism, that my really repent, like my, my rebellion, that there was more to it. There was something demonic. Now, I had another dream this past Sunday night, right? This dream was years ago. I had another dream on Sunday night. And this is a recurring nightmare that I've had for years. And I wrote about it in my journal. And I'm just going to read you guys my journal entry from that day. So I wake up from my dream, I shake it off, I go to Starbucks to have my quiet time, and I just start off, good morning, Father, thank you for today. I keep having a discouraging dream where I'm wandering around my life looking for some sort of employment to support my family. However, I never succeed in finding anything good or satisfying, and I find myself relegated to waiting tables somewhere, and I end up broke miserable, and I feel like a failure every time. At some point in this recurring dream, I develop a subtle awareness that I am dreaming. And then I remember, and I proclaim to myself in the dream, this dream is a lie. I do have a job. I am a pastor. I am providing for my family. I am satisfied in my work. Have you ever had a nightmare and then at some point in the dream you become aware, oh, this is just a dream? That's what happened in my dream. That's what happens in this dream. When this happened last night, that truth immediately eased my burden. However, the comfort came slowly as if through a fog. And then the comfort was diminished with the realization that I have no retirement plan, I have no nest egg, I have no 401k. Pastors don't make a lot of cash. Father, I hate these feelings of inadequacy. I hate that they invade my rest. My identity and my future and my confidence are in you, Lord. Are you warning me about something with this dream? Or is it the enemy? That was my question to the Lord, having had a nightmare, and I just opened my Bible, and I landed in Job, Job chapter 4. Job is this incredible book that is just fantastic and mysterious. It's one of the most misunderstood books of the Bible. There's so many questions about it, 
Um, it's the old, oldest book of the Bible, even though it's in the middle. And in the book of Job, Job has four friends, but three in particular um, give him just over and over bad advice, and it's almost like they don't even know the Lord at all. And Eliphaz is one of those three friends that are just full of bad advice for Job. And Eliphaz is telling Job, after Job has lost everything and is miserable and wondering, what should I do? Here's Eliphaz's advice to him. Job, this truth was given to me in secret, as though it was whispered in my ear. And it came to me, listen to these particulars, in a disturbing vision at night when people are in a deep sleep. Fear gripped me, my bones trembled, a spirit swept past my face, my hair stood on end. The spirit stopped, but I couldn't see its shape. There was a form before my eyes, and in the silence I heard a voice say, can a mortal be innocent before God? Can anyone be pure before the Creator? Eliphaz was exhorting Job And he was doing so based on a previous encounter he had had in his life with an angel. But did you hear the description of this messenger of God, this angel? It was a disturbing vision at night. He was gripped by fear and cold. It was a scary, shapeless mass. Does that sound familiar? That sounds exactly like the demon that showed up in my dream. Scary, cold, shapeless, and just like the devil did in Genesis, he didn't tell the person he was visiting something helpful and good and challenging like God did. He made him question God. Can a mortal be pure? Can a mortal stand before God? So that was my reading as I processed my dream. God, are you warning me something or was that the enemy messing with me? And that angel's message, can a mortal be pure, innocent before God? Um, What Eliphaz was saying to his friend who was in distress was, Job, we have no right to approach God. Is that biblical? Job, we have no right to talk to God. Is that biblical? Job, don't pray, just shut up and suffer. That is not biblical at all. Why did Eliphaz believe this? Because he thought he was visited by an angel. So he was like, well, this was supernatural, so I'm just going to believe it. Here's my takeaway. Eliphaz was not visited by a messenger of God, but a messenger of Satan. And you can read all through the Bible. It happens all the time. In fact, in the New Testament, it says, when you feel like you've had a spiritual encounter, and somebody just asked me about one outside the foyer, you should stop immediately and just ask the Lord, is this you or something else? should always ask the Lord, is this you or something else? Eliphaz thought it was God, never even stopped to consider if it was something else. But I believe it was a messenger of Satan giving Eliphaz advice that he would probably share with countless people that was absolutely wrong. And it corrupted Eliphaz's view of who God is. My quiet time continued. Lord, there are spirits down here with us who are not from you who do not speak for you. Thank you for leading me to this story in response to my prayer. Thank you for this truth. My dream was not from you. It was full of fear, 
shame, guilt, discouragement, and failure, and that is not how you speak to your kids. Help me hear you. Help my students hear you, and help me teach them to hear you. The reason Eliphaz believed that demon was he had a poor understanding of who God really is and who God created him to be. Eliphaz desperately needed to change the way that he thought. He needed to repent. He needed to talk to the Lord, and so do we. We've been talking a lot lately about the power of honesty, about the power of obedience, about the power in Jesus' name, and about the power that we have available to us 24-7 of just praying to the God in heaven who loves us, who listens to us, and who responds to our prayer. And today, we're going to talk about the danger of praying without understanding who God really is and how he works. So we're going to call this little mini-sermon series that we're going to be in for the next three weeks or so, what to expect when you're expecting, which I'm very proud of and think is super clever. If you know that phrase, what to expect when you're expecting, it comes from a book. What to expect when you're expecting is a pregnancy guide released in 1984, and it is a top-selling book on the New York Times bestseller list. It is considered one of the most influential books of the past 25 years. And as you know, once you're pregnant, everything changes. Once you're pregnant, Something's going to happen. Whether you're the mom-to-be or the dad-to-be, your life as you know it is about to change. It's the same with prayer. Once you pray, stuff starts happening and things are going to change. And the eternal, sovereign God, when you pray, you just invited him into your situation. Think about that. He created the universe, and you get to talk to him. And when you do, something is going to happen because he listens to prayer, he responds to prayer, and he answers prayer. Therefore, when we pray, we should expect God to move. Hence, different slide, a sermon series on prayer, what to expect when you're expecting. And look at all my little prayer warriors. So, the first thing to expect is that when you pray, God's going to do what God is going to do. The first thing to expect when we pray is that God is God and we are not. If I go to God and I offer up a prayer, I need to remember that I'm talking to somebody whose thoughts are higher than mine, whose ways are beyond me, who knows things that I don't, so I need to pray like this. Not like this or reaching out and taking what I want, but when, I, when we give God our prayers, we need to remember we just gave God our prayers. They're not ours anymore. They're his. And he gets to choose how he is going to respond. That prayer belongs to him now. And God wants us to know, and it's what we're talking about today, that there is a very real danger when we pray if we assume when God should answer, where God should answer, or how God should answer. When we pray, it is dangerous to assume, to think that you and I know best, this is when you should answer me, Lord, this is where you should answer me, and this is how you should answer me. We're going to look at the story of Daniel and Gabriel in the book of Daniel, chapter 10, at this amazing, just 
view-transforming story of when Daniel prayed and God answered as our foundation for it's dangerous to assume when God should answer. I'm going to read to you Daniel 10, 4 through 14. And this is just a great story that you should read sometime on your own. On April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and I saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning. His eyes flamed like torches. His arms and his feet shone like polished bronze. And his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Can you see the vast difference between the demonic encounter that Eliphaz had of shapeless kind of blurriness and this crystal clear powerful representation of clarity? Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and they ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this horrifying Terrifying? No, amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew pale. I felt weak. And then I heard the man speak. And when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted. And I lay there with my face to the ground. Like he didn't just clap. He went down face first into the dirt. And again, not because he was horrified, but because he was like, this is incredible. My mind can't even take it. Boop, out. Now, just then, a hand touched me, it lifted me, still trembling, to my hands and my knees, and then the man said to me, he didn't ask some cryptic question, he didn't challenge his faith, he said, Daniel, you are very precious to God. That could have been enough. Daniel you are precious to God. Brooke, you are precious to God. Austin, you are precious to God. Students, we are precious to God. So, listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. Now, when he said this to me, I stood up. I'm still trembling. And then he said, don't be afraid. And those other encounters, it's like, be afraid. Don't be afraid, Daniel, for since the first day that you began to pray for understanding, to, to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. From the first day, I heard you, Lord. I have come in answer to your prayer, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. What? What just happened? I'm going to read that again. I don't understand. Daniel, don't be afraid. Since the first day you began to pray, 21 days ago, for understanding, humbling yourself before the Lord, your request was heard. I've come and answer, but for 21 days, for three weeks, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked me, stopped me, prevented me from getting to you. Then Michael, one of the archangels, what was that? Just crazy, ridiculous, amazing thing. Michael, one of the archangels, he came to help me, a fellow angel, Gabriel. I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, and now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time 
yet to come. That's incredible. That's bananas. That's, that's a game changer to me. Here's my takeaways in this passage that God led me to to talk to you about. First and foremost, when did this vision happen? On April 23rd. That's tomorrow. God wants us to pick up and, and notice these little divine connections, these coincidences. That's no coincidence that God's giving us a story to answer this question for us about the spiritual realm. This is tomorrow. On April 23rd, it's a confirmation that God wants us to hear and pay attention and respond to what we are talking about. Why does he want those things? Because when people think, when you and I think that God doesn't answer prayer, I mean, Daniel had to wait for 21 days. I would be discouraged. I would be like, what's the deal? I would be like, are you even listening? When people think that God doesn't answer our prayer, when we have to wait too long because we assume it should happen like that, it's discouraging and we can get hurt. And yet this story is telling me, man, he answers more often than we know. And there's so much going on that we don't see. Since the first day you began to pray, from the second you asked the question, Daniel, God heard you, God answered you, God picked me and sent me to respond and answer your questions. No delay. Why didn't God delay in answering the prayer? Well, look at Psalm 138. As soon as I pray, Lord, you answer me and you encourage me by giving me strength. God's always listening. He's always responding. Isaiah 65. I will answer them, says the Lord, before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and I will answer their prayers. God doesn't listen or answer your prayers grudgingly, but generously. But, but, for 21 days. You guys, have you, have you ever prayed for anything for 21 days straight? Have you ever asked the Lord for anything for three weeks in a row every single day? Daniel prayed with all that he had. He did not quit. And we should take a lesson from that. He didn't pray and just say, well, God, you didn't answer me. I'm done. He prayed for 21 days in a row. Why did Daniel give all that he had to his prayer? Why didn't Daniel quit? Because he knew in Deuteronomy and countless places in the New Testament, the Bible is clear. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Matthew 7, keep asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep seeking, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be open to you. We should pray with all we've got like Daniel, and we shouldn't give up on our prayers like Daniel. The spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked me. I've read about these things. I've prayed about these things. I've researched these things. That Many believe there are whole demonic entities like Think of an army, battalions that are assigned to streets, homes, towns, cities, countries. And the spirit prince of the empire of Persia, one of the leading forces of the day. Can you imagine how monstrous and dark and powerful that thing must be? And that thing was assigned to keep Gabriel from answering Daniel's prayer. He blocked Gabriel. What does that even look like? I'm going to show you a clip from a movie I hope you all recognize. But in this clip, in this situation, the little hobbit with the ring 
We'll just pretend he is Gabriel. Check this out. Guys, do you understand that when we pray, when we set our minds to do something great and grand, that the enemy's not just going to sit by and be like, oh yeah, go ahead, glorify the Lord. He's going to do everything he can to stop you, to block you, to steal from you, to kill, destroy, etc. And he has armies of just icky, nasty, shapeless, dark, fear-inspiring things that he sends, that he coordinates to try and stop us. And we just, again... We don't need to be afraid of it, but we need to know about it, and we need to pray about it so that when we ask God a question, it needs to be backed up with all kinds of other prayers. Why? Because Ephesians 6 is clear. Our struggle in this life is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, the spiritual battle is real, but God, right? But Jesus, but we are on the winning side, but when we need help, we just keep asking for more help because Gabriel was sent to help. That wasn't enough. Daniel's still praying, so he sends Michael. What does that look like? What, what does it look like to have this whole nother level of spiritual power show up on your behalf to scare off the enemy? What does that even begin to appear? Like, how do we contemplate and understand what that looks like? Well, I have another clip for you. And in this one, the old white guy. That's Michael. Check it out. Shows up in truth, shows up in power, shows up with light. And the enemy is just like, oh, we're out. We, we don't stand a chance against this. They flee. 
you guys, wouldn't have happened for Daniel. Wouldn't have happened for Gabriel, just harassed and helpless all along the way unless God sent more help. And why did more help show up? Because Daniel never stopped praying. He didn't start praying one day and be like, you got till lunchtime and then I'm just going to go and do my own thing. He kept praying, and so help came, and then more help came, and I love that, like, there's just no match. Like, God and the devil aren't on the same playing field. It's like God and then everything else. God has angels, angels alone that are on the same level as the enemy, as the devil. Like, that's where the action's happening. God himself is up here. There's no comparison, and he sent this archangel Michael, and Michael ushered Gabriel into a safe place, and then he goes back and he gauges the enemy so that Gabriel can slip through enemy lines and get the answer to Daniel where it says, now I am here. Here I am. Michael engages the enemy, Gabriel gets through, and delivers this answer to Daniel's prayer. And you should read the things that Gabriel shares with Daniel. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's prophecy for the next hundred, 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 and hundred of years of global events. Like Alexander's the Great, his kingdom is talked about. The Roman Empire is talked about. All kinds of things are addressed. And you look back at history, and this is a prophecy from an angel, of, you know, hundreds of years before it ever happened. And it's like, that's exactly what happened. And it's all because this man Daniel said, God, give me some wisdom for your people. And I'm going to keep praying until I get an answer. So where's the danger for us? What do we need to take personally away from this story? Well, what if Daniel, like I said, just quit praying after day one? What if Daniel assumed that God was ignoring him? What if Daniel assumed that, like, God didn't care? Well, if I pray and God doesn't answer, and really, for you guys, have you prayed and you felt God didn't answer, how does that make you feel? It makes us feel like, man, God doesn't love me. God's not listening to me. Am I even saved? Those are huge questions, you guys. And if they can be even subtly redirected, if you can subtly change the way you think to understand when you pray there is more going on than you realize, then we win today. And God wins today in warning you, don't just pray, but pray. And pray some more. And look what happens As a result of Daniel's faithful praying of not giving up, he gets to hear things that will shape faith for the next millennia and even today because he never gave up. Daniel will never assume that God had forgotten about him or ignored him or didn't want to answer him because Daniel knew this book so much so that he is now in this book. And if we will commit ourselves to getting to know this book, getting to know God through this book, we will know things like what Daniel knew from Isaiah chapter 30. The Lord is waiting for you to come to him. Do you hear what that's saying? That's talking to you. It's talking to me. The Lord is waiting for us right now to come to him so that he can show us his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. Daniel knew Isaiah 64. Since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. What does God want us to know today? He's here for us. He's listening to us. He's responding to us. If we want to get to know him more, the answer is right in front of us. 
He's asking us to trust him more and to never stop praying. He wants us to know that when we ask for that thing, that healing, that courage, that specific thing, don't just ask and turn your back and go and figure out another solution. Ask and keep asking and look for that answer. It's coming. But if you turn your back, you might miss one of the most significant supernatural moments of your whole life. There are those of you in this room I know that have asked for something and feel like God didn't listen to you. Man, go back to him. Keep asking him. Keep looking for him. Because that answer may have been sent and you just missed it because you assumed it didn't happen on your timetable. What's our timetable compared to the Lord? Band, I'm going to invite you guys up here and we're going to wrap up our sermon. We can respond to today's message in a variety of ways. We can respond by bringing an offering and just letting God know, man, you are, you are so much more important to me than money. I depend on you so much more. Or, or even better yet, help me depend on you more than I do. That's what tithing is all about. It's not there to pay my salary. It's there for you and the Lord. It's a response. We can respond to what you've heard today by coming and taking communion and just saying, thank you, Jesus, that no matter how big the enemy is, how many are on his side, how many dark, creepy, dragon rider freaks are out there, like, I have nothing to fear because of you and your sacrifice and you beat sin and death on the cross. You have nothing to be afraid of. You're having a demonic encounter in your life, and I guarantee it's some way, some, some when you will, pray in the name of Jesus and see what happens. See if it doesn't change everything. But you can take communion and just say, thank you that your body was broken so that I could be whole. Your blood was spilled so that I could be saved. You guys, take advantage of communion. You can respond today just by singing with like, all you've got. Sing like Daniel prayed with all your hearts, minds, souls, and strength. Sing like you're declaring to Jesus, I need you. I want you. You're real. Help me. But I think and I wonder if maybe the response isn't right now. And you just bow your head with me right now and just hear this prayer and then make it your own. But Lord, where have I prayed and just walked away from you? Where have I tried to hear from you and then just plugged up my ears or, or, or moved myself from the situation and I missed it? Why don't you just tell the Lord, like, I'm sorry for the smallness of my faith. And ask him, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, Increase in my life. Increase in my understanding. Increase in my dreams. And let me and my understanding and my timeline decrease. You are greater than me. You have answers that I can only grasp at. I wonder specifically if some of you in this room feel called to do something to act in some way as a response to what you've heard this morning. And I wonder specifically if some of you in this room feel like you are supposed to go to Houston but just don't want to go. 
don't want to spend your summer serving, don't want to go downtown for $250 when you can go for free any other day. I feel called to challenge you to bless your city, to see if showing up and giving of yourself, if God won't do something miraculous for you as you do something for him. I wonder if there's some of us that just need to recommit to getting to know the Lord, recommit to reading this book. Summer is here. School is about to be over. The excuses are off the table. Get to know your Father. Get to know who He created you to be. Read this book every day.